Josh and John, you were both down there and uh, kind of making us jealous with some of the food you were able to, to take while, or intake while you were down there. Um, you know, what did you make of, of this run for Toronto FC? I guess we'll start with you, John. Um, I think Greg kind of said it best after the game when he talked about it being probably the best run by an MLS team in the history of the CONCACAF Champions League. And when you consider the path that they took, I mean, okay, Colorado, whatever. I mean, they're a shitty team, so you can kind of <laughs> excuse that. But then, you know, getting the better of Tigris, getting the better of Club America, who I would argue are not just the two best teams in Mexico, but the two best club teams in North American soccer. And they did it, you know, with the decisive second leg in Mexico. So that was quite an achievement. And then Chivas who I know this year are having a bad season, but historically one of the biggest sides in Mexican soccer. So when you take, when you take into consideration the travel to, the different time zones, the injuries that they had to deal with, I remember, was it that one game against Club America, they were minus five guys, they, didn't find, they were minus five starters to end the game. Um, the quality opposition, just everything. I think it was, as I said, the best run by an MLS team in the history of the tournament. A shame it didn't end out the way we all wanted to, but I don't think they have anything to be ashamed about. But it, I mean, it just illustrates the, the margins in, in tournament play. And I mean, we talk about this all the time. I talk about it with Johnny. I talk about it with some friends of mine that are here. Like, that they got that close and, and didn't win, but, you know, we're, we're within a Marquis Delgado you know, conversion of, of winning it. That doesn't negate the fact that they had a, a successful run. I mean, it, it, when you get that close, it's a game of inches, right? Um, and it's funny, like, as soon as... And, and Johnny and I were talking about this right after, like, when, when Greg comes up to do his, his press conference right after the game, he had a smile on his yeah. face. Massaro, like, made a joke, and, and he had a smile on his face, and, like... You never would have seen that after an MLS Cup, but I think it was a matter of, like, we got further than I think people thought we would, and, frankly, they should have. Like, they had no business winning that final game. They had no business winning that, that two-legged affair. So, I, I mean, you watch that last 25 minutes. They were struggling. They were struggling to keep their head above water. So they had no business being there, and, and I think they should be commended for as far as they got, but injuries being what they were, it's, it's, that's really all it is to me. Laura? I think We they, missed you in Mexico, by the way. Yeah. No, we really much. did. Yeah. Plenty of tacos. would have had a lot more margaritas if I was yeah. there, that's for sure. Um, I think that they let themselves down, personally. Um, I think that they did all of the hard work. They let themselves down at BMO Field. They should not have lost that game. And I think that the reason I watched that press conference from here, and I think that the reason why Greg Vanny was, was smiling at the end of that press conference is because TFC played a hell of a game. They played a hell of a game in Mexico. They did it with a lot of injuries, but they lost that final in Toronto at BMO Field, and they never should have done that. They'd done all the hard work against Tigres. They'd done all the hard work about Cl against Club America. Greg Vanny was pissed after that first leg, and rightfully so. He absolutely should have been pissed. So you know what? 
TFC is a team that wants to go out there and they want to say that they are the best team that MLS has ever seen. And I don't think that they shouldn't say that because they've absolutely deserved that right. But if they are the team that they say that they want to be, then this has to be looked upon as, yeah, a successful run, but at the end of the day, they let themselves down. And in the process, as we were talking about back backstage, they've let the league slip away. And we've seen virtually, we think, their goals on the door from some badly taken CONCACAF picture. And that, that picture said, we want to be a treble winning team again, and they're not going to be a treble winning team again at this point in the game because they've let themselves down in the league while they've been, you know, I think rightfully, you know, pushing the CONCACAF Champions League, but something, something gave here where I, I really don't think that it, it should have. The That's question I asked uh, Greg, and it's a question I think a lot of people wondered is like, can, is this an experience much like after 2015 Montreal and much like 2016 at home? Is this an experience you can learn from and then capitalize on afterwards? And I think it, it, it can be, but I think after 2015 and 2016, you, the team looks at the adjustments they need to make, right? So to me, I start to wonder, okay, if you want to win Champions League next year, which if everybody's healthy, you probably have another shot. What are the adjustments you need to make? Because it, the, the guy that I, I don't want to say felt for, but the guy that probably wore a lot of it was Alex Bono. And I think that it is, is what are the questions you have to ask about this lineup moving forward, not to win MLS Cup, not to win Sporter Shield, to win Champions League? Like, who are the guys that you have to look at and say, Again, 2015, we need to upgrade on the back line. 2016, you know, we need a creative midfielder. And they got so moving ahead. What is the piece you need to add or what are the changes you need to make to win Champions League? I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily think it's that big of a picture. I think it was a mistake. I think there was a mistake made in the second leg. I think that they never should have taken off Nico Hassler. They never Word. should have changed formations. Oh. I don't understand. Like... You know, we get these, we see these tweets. It's like, it's great. We have three Canadians on no. the field at the end of the game. No. If you have three Canadians on the field at the end of the game, like, no offense, the Canadians you're putting on, they're not the right players. That Take them off. Like, this is the not first, good. If Jay Chapman is your, like, sorry, if Jay Chapman is your, your option off the bench in a Champions League final. And Hassler was one of the best players in he the was. first half of that, that game. Although, I, I don't understand it. Although, to be fair, I did think Ashton Morgan played well throughout the two totally, legs. I agree. Sure. So but totally didn't, didn't Hamilton come on for him? Yeah, yeah. That was, no, for, for Vasquez, wasn't it? We saw, we yeah, saw, yeah, we've seen Greg Vanny roll the dice all the time. Like, Greg Vanny just... Playing lineup predictor with Greg Vanny is, is a silly process to engage in. And some of his substitutions, we were kind of looking up and down, being like, oh, all right. Like all right, he's a, That's Keche interesting. Is just like sitting on the bench. Cool. Don't get me started on Agar Keche. That guy should be in the 11 every single match. That guy has so much quality, and he's just let I mean, he brought him on, what, in the 80th minute? Yeah, in the final? Yeah, 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 he was yeah. a third sub. He was a third sub. He, that guy has such a nose for the net, and he's, they're just sitting on him. Vanny's just sitting on him. So I think to the bigger picture of your question of what they have to do next year is that this isn't 2015, this isn't 2016, yeah. and I'm not saying that you know they don't have a chance at, at Champions League because I think very highly of this team, but 
they have more than one change to be made at the end of next year. Like, I, I think it's, and I, they're not gonna get as lucky as they did last time with, you know, bringing in, well, who were the four? Will Johnson, Beta, was Beta one of them? Drew Moore. Flint. 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 Yeah. They're not, you're not gonna kind of get that windfall again. So it's not to say that they haven't done a lot of very creative things over the last couple of years and they have more money to play with now, but I think that there's like a bigger, there's a bigger, a, larger number of players that they need to switch around. I don't necessarily know how invested they are in some of their young players that are in the squad currently. And I just think that, you know, this was the golden opportunity. Next year is going to be even harder, no matter who they play. And the other challenge might be, too, is kind of holding on to some of the players that they yeah. have because Delgado has done really well, and you have to know that Mexican teams are sniffing around yeah. him. Is Ollie here? No, no. he's not here. Or Javinko, I mean, oh, that's never, rude. Never, Where is he? Yeah, yeah. Will, will Javinko resign, or you know, will will Altador stay on? These are all sort of interesting questions. I think. At the same time, if Toronto FC does get back to the Concacaf Champions League, and I mean, the path isn't that difficult if you've watched Vancouver or Montreal play recently. Um, uh, what about the Oakville Blue Devils? Oh yeah, let's true, not yeah, let's not point, yeah. let's not uh, discount. I mean, I feel like we're not we're not. It's like not an if. I yeah. feel like they're definitely going to be back in the Champions League. Yeah. I forget yeah. that the Canadian Championship even exists. Yeah. It's like, cool, we're going to let the Ottawa Fury beat us one nothing. That's great. We'll spot let them em. have a little bit of joy. <laughs> we'll spot them a lead. Yeah. And then we're just going to come and kick their asses. At the same time, though, they did go to one of the toughest away venues in MLS and then three very difficult um, you know, Mexican opposition. They're probably not going to get the same difficult um, run next year. So... Um, does that make it a little easier for them if, you know, they um, don't, they aren't playing those three big teams? I think so. But the other thing, too, is, you know, balancing CCL with MLS. I think that's kind of proven to be the big challenge for them because, as Laura mentioned earlier in her own eloquent way, uh, they're kind of sucking ass right now in MLS, <laughs> right? They've got, um, you know, this tremendous ground to make up. And not that they can't do it, but, you know, have they kind well, of kissed? Well, do you think they can do it? They're well, going to be in the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. yeah, playoff team. Do you think they can win the Shield? Can they get a first round bye? Yeah, can they get the Shield? Uh, yeah, that's probably doubtful. I don't think they can get I a think first that round there's, bye. I think that the parity that used to exist in Major League Soccer that would have allowed them to get the, the Shield does not exist anymore. You yeah, like Atlanta that. and New York City are, are, yeah, are cut above. Absolutely. Who were they playing? Who was playing Montreal the other day? Atlanta? Was it yeah, Atlanta, Atlanta playing yeah. Montreal? Did you not think that that was just like a park the bus situation by Montreal? Like, when do you see park the bus in, in Major League Soccer? Like, not that often. Unless you're watching two teams park the bus against each other, and then you're like, why am I even watching this game? This is a waste of my time. But, like, Atlanta and New York are, are better than they were last year, and they were good last year. Well, let's get into the, uh, the MLS, and, you know, obviously Toronto FC sitting at the bottom of the table. Um, do you think they... They needed to make the sacrifice that they did for for you know this run in the Concacaf Champions League because obviously um, they you know they let two of those games go to TFC two players with a couple of uh, first team players mixed in but um, they honestly kind of said you know these two results were um, we're you know gonna gonna give up on them not give up on them but um, play a lesser roster so that. Um, we can have a better chance at these Champions League games. Um, was that the right move now looking back at it? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, it, it, like, you put probably two of their first-team guys 
in either of those Houston or Colorado games. Like, it's in a completely different story. I'm a big believer in giving, like, trial by fire when it comes to young players. I mean, I, the guy that really, like, moved the needle for me was Ryan Telfer. Like, he's not going to get those opportunities otherwise with this team. TF, TFC's succession plan, to me, is, is right now, it's looking virtually non-existent. Like, we don't know what the plan is beyond the Javinkos, the Moors, the Altidores, the Bradleys, the world. And, that, and that's not to say they're on their way out, but you have a core, a really good core of players that are 30-plus. And until you start giving players, young players, real MLS minutes... Thanks for showing you guys. It's really, really nice of you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I think, like, you... I think you need... I think you need to... I think you need to give these players minutes to give them an idea of, of what they're up against. Um, so, I don't know, like, was it the right move? Uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Laura has to say about this. Laura was pretty vocal about it backstage. She's so angry about it, she's breaking her chair. Don't wreck the furniture. Laura, Laura doesn't think that... Guys, I haven't talked soccer in so long. Like, Laura I'm thinks they should have played Javinko. Lord, you said they should have played Javinko. I, bl I blame this on... Oh, I did break the chair. Shit. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, God. I got to go to the gym or something. You don't know your own strength. Um, Armstrong, man. Oh, I fixed it. Don't worry. I did blame it on Javinko. I don't actually think it's Javinko's problem on his own, but I do think that TFC should have put more... Like Josh says, you know, two, two like first-team players would have made a huge difference in both of those games, and I think that those they... were insanely winnable games. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. This isn't, like, this is this not isn't like, New York. Yeah, or, yeah. This is Houston and Colorado. And I, I get like, the argument that it's like, oh, well, it's a Western Conference team. Oh. Like, it doesn't matter so much. Okay, it's three points. Take a deep breath. Like, I don't care who you're playing. Like, like that was painful play a soccer better team. to watch. Yeah, it was awful. It was awful. And, like, you know... I just, I just don't. The first one was better than the second one, but it wasn't good by any stretch of the imagination. Let, I mean, let, what do you guys think? Should they was resting players in hindsight? You come within a, a Delgado finish. And wow. A, and a okay, I think we need to stop blaming Marky Delgado. No, I, no one's blaming him. No one's Marky blaming Delgado him. Delgado has scored three goals in the last him. two years. He was not going to score that goal. I'm only saying that because Oliver Platt is not here. Like, I would, just, I'm only saying. But, I mean, do you think resting <laughs> players was the right move? Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with it just because, as, as you as kind of said, they came within a Delgado sort of converting that of winning it. So, I mean, yeah, oh like God. those were winnable games. Are you still you want to switch chairs? What's going on here? What are you doing? I'll just lean on um, the side. So, I don't have a big problem with it. But getting just sort of getting back to Delgado, not that no one, believe me, no one was blaming him. And, in fact... I think... Everyone was Were blaming they? him. Well, no, that's, I, don't, I don't know. I heard everyone blaming Michael Bradley. Also, I feel bad for, for Delgado because, like, for, I'm, I'm, and I, I really don't mean to call any of you in this room this slight, but for, like, the casual soccer fan who watched, like, TSN's Sports Center or whatever it is, um, they, like, saw the Marky Delgado miss and they were like, what? Like, how did this guy miss? <laughs> like, I had, like, people coming up to me for days being like, how does this guy miss? I'm like, he's just not. A really good he's not a finisher. Yeah. He's like, not a finisher. Not up to and, him, you know, like. And you know what? Full credit to him because what I was going to say was after the game, 
you know, we didn't we didn't go into the locker rooms in Guadalajara. It was a mixed zone. So some players, some TFC players stopped and talked to us, but not everyone did. Delgado, kind of, we called him over. Yeah. Absolutely walked over, took the questions, and, and kind of faced the music. And he was, I thought, you know, in a very difficult situation like that, a complete professional. So that was... Also, he scored a nice penalty. He did, and he set up, you know, Javinko on the goal as well. So I think he's been instrumental. This in is the problem with this Champions League run, is that the guys that you're going to like who has slipped up a little bit are also the guys who got them where they were. Right. Right? Yeah. So Michael Bradley, Alex Bono, Brad, Ricky the, Delgado are the, the guys. Bradley who, hate is insane though. Like Well, yeah, but it's just it's just a, People I think are looking for an excuse though. Especially those with the like, border. Okay. Yeah, but he didn't just miss a penalty. He missed a penalty twice. twice. He okay. missed an MLS Cup penalty too. And I'm not I you know, I think that Michael Bradley is a heart of Toronto SC. I think anybody who doesn't see that Michael Bradley is a heart of Toronto SC is blind. But, like, I, I do wonder, and also, like, I, I went into that penalties being like, who is going to take a penalty? Yeah, like, that was the question. Like, where is Drew yeah. Moore? Like, I don't feel good about this situation Basket if Drew Moore is not on the field. Too. Yeah. Like, what's happening? They didn't have many options, so They didn't have too. a lot of options. Like, I don't actually know who, who would have taken penalty number five. This has been driving I thought it was, me insane. I thought it was Vanderweel. Yeah, I haven't, okay. I haven't yes. asked him, Perhaps. but I, I, I think it's Vanderweel, and I, I almost think he should have taken one sooner. Yeah, he should have um, taken number four. To kind of transition things. Yeah. He's a guy that's really, really come around and adapted to MLS, and he looks now like the player that he was kind of signed for. Mm -hmm. Just a very safe, responsible, smart player. And... He's got a lot of power in his boot, so I think he probably would have converted one. I like giving Oso one early because if, you know, talking about players that have come around, we've all been astounded. It's like watching, you know, a phoenix rising from Arizona, the new Jonathan Osorio. What are you rolling your eyes for? You love new Oso, too. Here's my problem. Here's my problem with the current Toronto FC that. team. I don't know if you know this, but I have a lot of problems, apparently. If Jonathan Osorio is going to be, like, the linchpin of your Toronto FC season, you are in so much trouble. He's not a linchpin, no, though. He's not a linchpin, He's not though. a linchpin. He has been so far. He's been a linchpin in, in CONCACAF. Okay. That but, was like apparently the most important games they're going to play according to this crowd, so we have problems. <laughs> I'm done here. I Goodbye. I don't, look, isn't it, isn't it good that we are finally seeing Oso showing up? Yeah, at, absolutely. At the, I, just, I just wish he showed up as like the fourth or seventh or twelfth best player on the team. Not twelfth. That wouldn't put him in the starting lineup. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm not good at math, you guys. I'm a journalist for a reason. Seven issues with those in that chair. <laughs> All right, you guys have waited patiently. Uh, I think let's let's get some questions from the audience. Um, anybody have a question? I'm not sure if we're gonna have a mic passed around. Yeah, we will. Um, Kevin's coming around with a mic right now, so um, I guess put your hand up if you have a question. Uh, do you feel with how TFC's two is going? Where are you? Oh, right over here. Oh, in the back? Hand up? Plaid shirt. Hello? We got you. Plaid shirt, looking right, good, cool. looking good. Um, yeah, the, how TFC 2 is doing, obviously some first, first team players now, but with their current record last in USL and not doing well last year, does that reflect anything in terms of our development for the academy? I mean, is it just like, an, you know, just a stall and we're just waiting on something to happen? 
Like, does it reflect I, anything? I don't think I don't think TFC two's record is a reflection of the academy as a whole. That said, I think it seems like this is another season that isn't. They they didn't come flying out of the blocks. So, um, I like Laurent, and I like his vision for what um, for what a club could be, um, and I like. I like the progression of, of Jason Bent from, from TFC2 last year to, to TFC's coaching staff this season. Um, I do think there's a... I think when... They've created a pretty big divide between TFC2 and the first team. When you bring in players like Agar Keche and, and our own Gregory Vanderbilt, who all have experience in some of the top flight leagues in Europe, you are going to create a divide and you're going to make it very hard for players in that second team to make the jump and I can't help but think that mentally that wears on players and then that's why I meant what I said about Ryan Telfer again Ryan Telfer is my Raheem Edwards of this season like I, I no seriously I I want nothing but the best for him and I think he's going to jump into that wing back role given the opportunity but when you see players being signed from the top leagues and then they can't even get first team minutes, as a TFC2 player, you might be like, what's what's my future here? Yeah, No, that's it exactly. I mean, when a guy like Jordan Hamilton, you know, who's been with the senior team for a while, can't even, you know, struggle to get minutes. I mean, what chance does a TFC2 guy? So I just think that divide, as Josh said, is just so massive to overcome that it's got to be pretty, uh, you know, mentally straining on TFC players coming through. TFC2, if I'm not mistaken, is not a similar team to last year, right? They cleared house at the end of last year. Correct? Yeah, I, I don't know I guess if it was a tainter. A lot of the veteran guys, yeah. they, they brought out tainter, brought in a couple of the younger story, guys story, from TFC3. Yeah. I think when you talk to Tim Bezvichenko about TFC2, I think it's a very interesting conversation. Like He's not, about to, he's not the kind of general manager that's going to choose players based on age. So if any of those TFC2 guys were good enough to be you know, playing with with the TFC team. I mean, you see it in Liam Fraser. Liam Fraser's only 19, and he's already with the first team. So they obviously see something in him, and I don't think that they're going to keep somebody from being in in the first team simply because of their age or necessarily because of their experience. If they can play with the big boys, they're going to want them to play with the big boys. Um, at the same time, it's a business, right? So they want to develop as many of these young people as possible, and they want to, you know, not necessarily look at them as, as players who are going to play for TFC2, but as players who are going to play for um, some other some other clubs in, in Major League Soccer that they're maybe going to get some money for. I think that, you know, I like Raheem Edwards didn't go in a way that they would have wanted him to leave because he left in the expansion draft, but they also didn't make a play to get him back, necessarily. Yeah, I actually think and that that played out exactly the way I, people around TFC... Learning what we're learning now about... Yeah. I think that played out exactly I mean, how uh, they wanted it. To I out. haven't been paying attention, but like Raheem, like what has Raheem Edwards done so far this year? Well, not much. I mean, scored he, did, he, scored, he scored a very was in the opener. Score the goal, and then he proceeded to get, give up the penalty for the other goal, and then they lost. And then he hasn't played in four matches. And, and yeah. you know, Reme Gard is kind of questioned his attitude well, I, I and saying he's not professional. Yeah, and the thing so. is that I feel like I don't. I I 
thoroughly enjoyed covering Raheem Edwards, and, and I thought he was a, a nice young guy, but I thought he was a young guy, and, and I think that he will be the kind of player who is like an Ashton Morgan who sort of fights to get into a first team, and, and hopefully, I mean, you got to give Ashton Morgan a hell of a lot of credit because he's yeah. been working hard for a long time to get where he got, and like that was my favorite part of Champions League was Ashton Morgan getting a chance. Um, but I think TFC2 is as much I, – I, I just wouldn't get invested in any of these young guys because I think they're as much – I think TFC is invested in them having careers, but I don't necessarily think TFC is invested in them having careers with Toronto FC. Before we move on to our next question, um, I just wanted to bring up that Josie quote about Ashing because I thought that was pretty awesome where he said, you know, when I'm playing – um, you know, those are the guys, Oso and Ashton, those are the guys who I wanted to impress the most when I got here. Um, and that just tells you what a guy like Ashton means to the club. And yeah, it's been pretty cool for him to uh, finally get this opportunity. Um, yeah, so does anyone else, uh, next question? Yeah, hi. Um, just based off of uh, Vanny's like, decision-making of substitutions and putting a team together, would you say that possibly his days maybe slowly coming to an end in the next Vanny? few years? Vanny? Yes, Greg what? Vanny. Like with Toronto FC or like in general? No, I mean with the team. Because if you think about Greg it, Vanny's I know. Vanny's dying. Because like I know, he's oh like no. 41. Vanny so. out, no, 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 no. Vanny I'm, out. I'm just saying, I'm just, I know, I'm, I'm starting to sound like an Arsenal supporter. I get it. Whoa. But, oh. <laughs> okay. But if you want me to cry on stage, then we can get there, but I don't think that's the way to go about what it. What I'm saying, but like specifically with, with the final, don't you think it would have been more, uh, sorry, a better idea to have, say, if you didn't want to play Vasquez the whole game, you know, start him later in the, like put him in later in the match and substitute him on instead of starting uh, him? What? Um, You're not going to sub a guy on in for, in, for 40 minutes, in, in the 40th minute. So I feel like if you think you can get 60 out of him, you yeah. put him on at the start. Vanny, Vanny was a look, and, and, and while I hear what you're saying, Vanny's two penalty kicks away from being named the U.S. men's team head coach. If yeah. he wins, if he wins that, if he wins that game on the depleted ass roster that he had in front of him, he's named U.S. men's team head coach. He is because you look at like how did he overcome what he had in front of him? Vanny will be the coach of Toronto FC as long as he wants to. Just, just think about that game, too. Like, I mean, you know... Thank, Drew you, would, for, thank you for that uh, <laughs> palpable love I just got from that uh, applause there. You know, Drew, Drew Moore on the Monday, you know, tears his squad in training. Um, and then, you know, 48 hours later, Michael Bradley, who's never played at center back, and Gregory Vanderbilt, usually a right-sided uh, defender, get drafted in the middle, uh, in the center of defense. And, you know, I thought they both played, you know, brilliantly. And... They still, and considering that and all the injury absences and the shuffling of the lineup, and they still came within, you know, that close. I mean, yeah, you could probably nitpick maybe some one or two things about maybe Vanny could have I done better. I could definitely nitpick that I think that he made the wrong substitution in the yeah, second Yeah, the half. Nico okay. Hassler sub, sub I think, was And awful. it was a weird form formation change, and I don't think that that was the right decision, but I still yeah. don't think that that means, like, Vanny, he's and done. Yet, he's not going, he's not going made anywhere. one bad sub. See ya, bro. And like, yet, cool. and yet, I really think if he like before mls cup last year when he goes to the diamond we're all like what the fuck man what are you doing and it was unreal played unreal vanny's here as long as he wants to be and i don't want to betray his confidence but we had a few chats in, in mexico and like that whole tournament wore on him 
like that really, really worn him. And like he is, he is as invested in this club and he's as invested in the long-term project that this club is as much as any other person, um, you know, within TFC. And Vanny's, is, Vanny's, Vanny's here. And, and again, I think if he wins that match and, and maybe if he leaves Nico on or, you know, if he has one other guy, look, he, we're talking about, can we please keep Vanny? We're not talking about, yeah. you know, like I, I, I don't feel like the most Greg Vanny story that exists is, is right before they went to Mexico and we talked to him maybe on like Thursday or something and they were going to Houston on Friday and uh, he wasn't supposed to necessarily go to Houston. And I think John, yeah, yeah, John yeah. who asks him, are you going to go to Houston or not? And he kind of laughs. And then he takes a pause, and then he says, yeah, probably. And, like, you know that he doesn't want to go to Houston. You know that, like, his, like, probably wife is like, oh, maybe you should not be traveling so much. You're going to, like, kill yourself. I don't know. But, like, he is going to go to Houston because he's that kind of guy. He's so invested. He's always there. He's there. You know, no, it's more than that. It's all for, like... The academy kids, and it's all for he's he's involved at every single level of the organization, and like it it as you said, it wears thin on him. He he spreads himself so thin over the course of the season. So, I mean, I, I think it's ludicrous. No offense to suggest that Greg Vanny is done. I feel like we're just seeing the beginning of Greg Vanny, and he's been very lucky to have a lot of success over the last couple of years, and he's been handed a team that like you should have success with. But like this team is not where it is. Right now, without Greg Vanny by any and the interesting thing, to, the interesting thing too, and I, and I hate to, you know, compare him to like the white elephant in the room, but like you know, you hear a lot about um, how Austin Matthews is not getting along with Mike Babcock, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I've never heard of any player having any issue with Greg Vanny, like. Players like I that that Tifo, uh, the Greg father, like fuck, that was great. With without getting too like, without pumping Vanny's tires too much, like that, like he is. I don't want to say the unsung hero. There's a lot of them, but like y'all need to appreciate what Greg Vanny is and what he's trying to do with this entire program because he's invested. I remember I asked him. Uh, in training camp, I'm like, doesn't your wife, like, throughout last year, when, like, it was an exhausting season, I'm like, doesn't your wife get pissed? Like, you never take a day off. You have three, four kids? Four. Four kids. John knows. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, doesn't your wife just, like, get pissed that you never take a day off? And there was just this look, like, he just wanted me to hit stop recording. He's like, yeah. Like, I, I can't, like this is this is everything. This is an all-consuming project, and you know you, you're not going to find that with a lot of other coaches. Are we still sad about the Leafs? Or are we not over that? <laughs> oh, it's just I don't all know. right, all right. Okay. Let's get off the Leafs. Um, we do have two other great panels uh, coming up now tonight, later tonight. So um, we're going to have to cut this short and make time for them now. Um, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. Um, I know they can talk to Toronto FC as well. So. Um, if you have any questions that we didn't answer, um, they'll be happy to answer those. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks, Cheers. Guys.